Inflation is on the rise. On today's show, we're going to go through several investment strategies to fight back against inflation in your retirement plan. It's all about your retirement. You're going to want to have an additional check to come in to maintain your lifestyle. For the retirement referees, Steve Caruso knows all the plays of the game. One thing we know for sure is that life isn't static. Retirement doesn't have to be complicated. Things are going to happen to you over the course of your retirement. Whatever the future, planning is key. The easiest way to make decisions from strength is to have money to fall back on. Welcome in to the Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. Welcome, everybody, to The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. It's the show where we blow the whistle on financial fouls. I'm your consumer advocate, Teresa Opeka. Steve is the best-selling author of Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. He is president and founder of Laurel Wealth Solutions with offices throughout the Eastern Seaboard and is a fiduciary with over two decades of experience. Check out his website at laurelws.com. Good Sunday evening, Steve. How are you? I'm doing well, Teresa. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, you were talking about inflation. And, you know, um, you've, you've seen the inflation headlines. In fact, I noticed this morning, and I didn't know it when I bought it at the grocery store. I got the, con- you know, the container of orange juice you pick up. And usually it's like 64 ounce. I'm like, gee, mm-hmm. that looks small. 52 ounces. They didn't raise the price, but they changed the container size. So they're they're doing it. I I noticed that myself on my orange juice this morning. Um, And according to the Consumer Price Index, CPI, the prices have risen 5% or more versus the prior year for three consecutive months. But for context, the inflation rate between 2012 and 2020 never rose above 2.9%. Now, that higher inflation trend won't last forever, but even a temporary inflation spike slows the growth of your retirement savings, and the effect can be either direct or indirect. So go into this a little bit more, Steve, and explain how that works. Yeah, no, this is one of my favorite topics to talk about. It's (laughs) a, you know, I'm kind of a nerd on inflation. So yes, a 5% is probably temporary, but let's not be so fast to say that that's uh, a temporary thing, mm-hmm. but let's first walk through what you mean by direct and indirect. Okay. So directly higher inflation means the cost for, of doing business for businesses is higher. And so that limits their earnings growth. And therefore, uh, as stock prices trade as a function of earnings, meaning the more earnings you have, the higher price your stock has. Um, if your earnings growth gets limited, then theoretically, your stock price would be limited as well, which um, can hinder growth, which is why you you sometimes see pundits say, oh, you know, inflation could cause a stock market correction. Indirectly, inflation cuts into your purchasing power. So when we're talking about your specific retirement, inflation can has the ability to reduce what your money will buy you. And so anyone who's lived through the 70s will remember uh you know, your, your money bought less and less as as the decade went through mm-hmm. because prices were going up so rapidly. And so intuitively, you may not look at inflation and say, oh, well, I see it right away. Right. But when you actually go through the whole process of looking at your expenses year over year, you'll see that you're actually spent a little bit more over the course of the year. And again, that's why it makes sense to work with an advisor who's actually tracking your expenses to see what your actual personal inflation was. And so, you know, how do we combat 
inflation risk in a retirement plan, well, the first thing to do is to actually plan with on a realistic rate of inflation. And so what we use in our plans is a 3.42% rate of inflation. As we mentioned earlier, the last 10 years, we have never seen, you know, even a month where it's been above 2.9%. Mm-hmm. However, since World War II, inflation has averaged 3.42%. So it's reasonable to assume that we're going to head back towards a long-term trend on inflation. And then the last time we had inflation that was this low, um, you know, under 2% for an extended period of time, like we've had for the last 20 years, would be from 1948 to 1968. And that was followed by the 70s again, where we had 7.5% inflation. I don't think we're going back there. But that's why I was saying I don't think it's unreasonable to think that we could have higher inflation somewhere in the neighborhood of 4 or 5% for an extended period of time um, a year or two until we get fully through this um, pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So definitely, uh, you definitely need to work with an advisor who's got the experience with all of this. And uh, speaking of inflation, you know, you're, you're saving now, but you actually need to save more than you think you need because things are going to keep going up. I mean, maybe not so drastically, but in the next 20, 30 years, you don't know what the price is going to be. It's, it's a slow trickle. So your purchasing power starts to erode. And one of the things that we see a lot with people is, and we work with a lot of um, state government employees and federal employees, is that because they have a pension, they think, oh, well, my pension has a cost of living adjustment. I, I don't have to worry about inflation. That's absolutely wrong. Mm-hmm. Number one, as a retiree, you're going to experience higher inflation because you consume more health care than a younger person, in all likelihood. Mm-hmm. And number two, the cost of living adjustment is is usually not going to keep pace with what your overall cost increase are. In fact, um, about a third of the people who retire in their first year of retirement experience a spending surge where they were spending a lot more than what they were pre-retirement. And so it's really important that you're working with someone who is skilled in retirement distribution planning and not just saving for retirement because a lot of these kind of general practitioners, they'll, they'll use a one or 2% inflation rate and they're, you know, they'll tell you, Oh, everything is rosy when, um, you could actually be running out of money in your late 80s or 90s. And that's the one fear that no one wants is to run out of money. Oh, no, definitely not. Definitely not. So keep that in mind when you're choosing, you know, your financial advisor. Also investing in dividend paying stocks. Yeah, so dividend paying stocks give you not only the dividend, but also potentially the growth in the the earnings of the company. And so what we look at with dividend paying stocks and where it fits into a portfolio is right now the bank is paying you less than a, a, a fraction of a percent. Most bank accounts are paying a tenth of a percent or some are paying a hundredth of a percent. Yeah, look, I got um, 10 cents. Woo. <laughs> yeah. So there are certain stocks where you get a dividend and maybe the yield is two to three percent interest, but at least it's something. And the stocks are relatively stable, a company like Verizon or uh, Bristol Myers or, you know, uh, Con Edison. Companies like that are going to hopefully over time, the, the stock price stays somewhat level or slightly appreciates and you get the dividend. So you get that's what we mean by the one two punch there. Okay. All right. That's, and keep that in mind as well. And I've heard this quite a bit. Consider a bucket strategy. So this is something we do with all of our clients and all of the people who come in, who, who come to us through the show. You're going to actually get 
a graphic with your three buckets. And it's important to segment into buckets. The reason being is that you don't want to put money that you're going to spend in the next five years in the stock market, but also you don't want to be overly conservative. So you don't want to have money that is money that's not going to be spent for 10 years in something like a, a bank bank account, like a money market account. So usually we see people shift to overly conservative. So it's important that you're considering inflation and using a bucket strategy to to really determine what the right amount is to have invested for growth. And that's what a bucket strategy is going to do, because we're going to look at your spending and we're going to we're going to figure out, all right, based on your spending, you need to have this much set aside for liquid, this much set aside to produce you income this much set aside for growth. And that's something we do with every single one of our clients. And one of the great things about being a listener of the show is that every week we offer a comprehensive retirement distribution plan absolutely free to our listeners, the first 15 who call in. And that number to reach Steve, it's 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. This is for retirees and pre-retirees. It's common sense planning and straight talk instead of financial double talk and a sales pitch. It is need to sit down and get a financial roadmap put together. And Steve, he'll translate that complex financial world into something that just makes sense. It's an excellent chance for you to get a true practical financial review. Again, that number 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. What's on the way next, Steve? We spend years building up the balance in our 401k, but what happens after we retire? On today's show, we'll dig into how a 401k works after retirement. you are listening to the retirement referee with steve caruso i'm your consumer advocate Teresa opeka steve is the best-selling author of cookie cut this retirement distribution strategies for the nonconformist and steve you know he's got over two decades of experience as a fiduciary he can help you out with estate planning financial planning health insurance investment management you name it tax planning and so much more. Um, so we're talking about inflation. And I guess I mentioned I saw that this morning when I opened up my uh, refrigerator. Um, but now we're going to talk about 401ks. And there are plenty of decisions you have to be that have to be made going into retirement. One of them is what to do with the 401k. I mean, you've got choices and they all depend on factors like your age when you retire and what rules the company has regarding the 401k. So let's go through some options. First up is qualified distributions. Yeah, so if you retire after 59 and a half, the IRS allows you to take distributions from your 401k without owing that 10% early withdrawal. Depending on your company's rules, you may elect to take regular distributions in the form of an annuity or for a fixed period over your anticipated lifetime. Or you could take some type of non-periodic lump sum investment. When we look at that, if you have some type of a TDA plan or if you have an insurance company on your 401k, so if you're getting statements from TIA Craft or if your statements come from John Hancock or Hartford, they're more likely to have some type of an annuity feature to, to their 401k. Mm -hmm. They're usually not the best, um, and a lot of times you're you're better off doing a private sector alternative, but it is something that can be available to you. What 
you also want to be aware of is if you're retiring early um, and you roll it into an IRA, a lot there are some circumstances where you would be able to actually withdraw from your 401k without the IRS penalty prior to 59 and a half, whereas in the IRA, there's only really one scenario where you can do that. So important to know. All right. You're talking about early. So early money, the age 55 rule. I want to explain what yeah. that is. So that's what I was basically just alluding to okay. is that if, if you retire, you lose your job when you're age 55, but not yet 59 and a half. Okay. Or if you're um, federal law enforcement and you retire after in, in the calendar year in which you turn 50, you can avoid the 10% early withdrawal penalty on taking money out of your 401k. But that only applies to 401k from the employer you just left, not money that's still in an old 401k and not money that's in an IRA. It has to be in the 401k that you just left. Now, if you know you're retiring in a year and you know you're going to need money and you have 20,000 in your current 401k, but you have an old 401k with uh, a previous employer that's a healthy six-figure balance, you could roll money into that current 401k plan so that the balance is there when you retire and then you're not, you know, you 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 qualify for that 55 rule. So again, these are the types of questions that if you're working with a financial planner who's skilled in retirement distribution plan, they're going to ask the right questions and they're going to you know, look at that. The other thing which um, kind of ties into what we're going to talk about in a little bit with minimum distributions is that if you're older than 72 and you're still working, you don't have to take minimum distributions for your plan. Yeah. And, and this next one, I mean, you really don't have to take uh, distributions. You could just let everything be. Let it just sit there. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you're not required to take distributions from your account as soon as you retire. Now, what I would caution you with the let it, the let it be is if you're going to let it be and just let it be, if you're in low cost funds that are growing nicely. So say you're in index funds um, where you're paying, you know, five one hundredths of a percent. There's no problem letting it be. What happens a lot of times is people just completely ignore it and they're in funds that are not the best funds. So they might have been in a target date 2020 fund and now they retire and that they let that just sit there all in bonds and bonds is not a great investment to just let it be in. Um, the other mistake people make goes back to what we're talking about with inflation. So they think, oh, well, I have a pension. I have social security. I can just keep this as funny money. And if I want to take it out to buy myself an expensive car, I can do that because I can live on my pension and social security. But you have to remember there's going to be inflation and your pension and social security is not going to uh, buy the same amount. So um, you do want to look at having your money uh, continuing to grow for you throughout your retirement. So letting letting it be is not always the best solution. Most times it's not the best solution, but it's something that you can do. But it, it's important to look at all of the options that are available. Okay. Keep saying, let it be. I think the Beatles, <laughs> just to, <laughs> to mention to you before. Yeah. Um, also, you mentioned before, required minimum distributions. Yeah, well, you don't need to start taking distributions from your 401k the minute you stop working. You will be required uh, by April 1st, following the year you turn 72. So a couple of things here that's important to know. Number one, if you're working past 72, you're not required to take the distribution from your 401k. So one of the things, uh, again, working with someone who specializes in this, if you're making a good income, and I've had, I've had clients I've done this for, because 
typically you're allowed to roll money over prior at age 59 and a half, even though you're still working. What a lot of advisors will have people do is they'll have them roll the the money over. Now, if your plan is to continue to work into your mid 70s, mid to late 70s, and you're making a good income, it's probably smarter to keep it in that retirement plan or if you rolled it out to roll it back in um, prior to 72 so that you don't have to take minimum distributions from it while you're still working. So that's one of the things that we would look at in a retirement distribution plan. It's one of the more important things in terms of saving you on taxes. The other big minimum distribution kind of caveat is now, let's just say, and we keep using people who have substantial pension and, and social security as an example, but if, if your pension and social security is enough for you to live on, and you have, say, a seven-figure balance in your pre-tax retirement plan, it might actually make sense to start taking distributions from it prior to your minimum distribution. The reason being is that you, you're, you can better control your tax bracket because our tax brackets are incremental. So the more income you make in one year, the higher percentage tax you pay. Well, if you're going to if you're already going to have a, a good amount of income and now you you let it compound to your 72 and you have say a six figure minimum distribution, your chances are paying higher a higher percentage tax whereas if you spread that out over a larger number of years, you might be able to stay in a lower tax bracket um, and the effective tax on what you took out from the IRA could be lower. So a little bit complicated there, but that's one of the things that we're going to look at in our plans. And um, we have about seven spots left. What we're going to do is we're going to put together a comprehensive retirement distribution plan. And we're going to look at things like taxes, fees. We're going to do an analysis of what you're paying in fees now. We're going to show you what you're paying on your 401k uh, a lot of those charges you don't see because they come out daily from your return. We're also going to show you if you've rolled money into an IRA, we're going to show you what, what you're paying on your IRA and your other investments in terms of fees. And then we're going to show you the most tax efficient way when we project out your minimum distribution, what's the most tax efficient way for you to distribute those assets in retirement. 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. Today is your opportunity to build a tomorrow that you want. Folks, there is no cost or obligation to get a better handle on your financial situation. To find out what your investments are really costing you because of high fees or commissions, what future tax implications will be, and how much income you can securely generate from that, once you do move into retirement, pick up the phone and call Steve now. 800-705-9995. 800-705-9995. What's coming up in our third segment, Steve? Well, we're getting into football season, and sometimes you have to face things head on. Long-term care is one of those things that you have to tackle. And when we come back, we'll highlight some innovative alternatives to long-term care insurance. And thank you for spending some of your Sunday evening with us. You are tuned to The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm your consumer advocate, Teresa Opeka. Steve is the best-selling author of Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. He's also president and founder of Laurel Wealth Solutions with offices throughout the Eastern Seaboard. You can check out his website at laurelws.com. And before the break, you were talking about long-term care. And I know that's something a lot of us don't really like to think about, but you, you really do have 
really do have to. Um, but long-term care insurance is not for everyone. The good news is there are alternatives. And if you think you don't have to worry about it, well, think again, as I just said. Typically, women need long-term care longer, about 3.7 years on average, than men, 2.2 years. And while about one-third of people who are 65 may never need long-term care, 20% will need it longer than five years. So are you prepared? And Yeah, yeah. that's a great question. Yep. And so what we want to look at is statistics are important. But you also, when we go into long-term care, there's a variety of ways to address it. So um, slightly more than 8 million Americans have long-term care insurance policies. And one of the funny things about long-term care insurance is when they were doing these policies uh, originally, the insurance companies didn't really know how to price people dropping the policies. So they figured they would price it the way life insurance attrition works. Mm -hmm. And with long-term care insurance, what it turns out is a lot of people don't drop these policies. So you've had a lot of carriers kind of pull out of the long-term care insurance space in general. So we think of long-term care, we always think of the person who has dementia and uh, you know, having had family members that have had dementia and Alzheimer's, um, it's very difficult um, to watch someone you care about go through that and not be able to remember things and not, uh, my aunt right now doesn't really even remember. I don't think, you know, I, I went to see her a couple of months ago and I don't think she even really, she acted like she knew who I was, but I don't think she really knew who I was. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a scary thing. However, when we're looking at long-term care insurance, like you mentioned, it's one in five people that are going to have that kind of situation um, where they're going to need longer, extensive care. A lot of the times the people who need that type of care, the writing is on the wall years before. And so the government will cover you if you are poor, meaning Medicaid, if you've spent down all of your assets. Mm -hmm. But if you have something like dementia, you start to slip. And before you're really bad, it's probably it can be a lengthy period of time before you get really bad to where you need help around the clock. So in that situation, what people a lot of times do, if they don't have long-term care insurance, they're transferring assets out of their name to whoever ultimately would be their beneficiary. But there is there is a look back period on that. So you'd want to start that sooner if you have a family member in that situation. Now, what the benefit of long-term care insurance is, is the benefit of any insurance, right? So if I gave you, Teresa, $10 and I said, you can spend you can spend this money over the course of your 80s and 90s, right? Just I'm using a simple example. Sure, sure. Right? For care. And if you need long-term care, it's going to cost you $9. Are you going to put all $9 and only spend $1 to hedge your long-term care? No. Or... Are you going to look at the odds and say, all right, there's a one in five chance. Let me find five other people or four other people. And there's five of us now. And we'll each pay two and a quarter. And whoever whoever of the five of us needs it will have that $9 available. Mm -hmm. It's really a simplistic right. example. But it, that's what insurance is in a nutshell. You're, you're, you're pooling your money with other people to, to cover the risk of the people who are actually going to experience it. And so what you're doing there is you're transferring that risk to an insurance company and you're paying a fraction of what it would cost you if you actually need that type of care. So 
a standalone long-term care policy is going to cover you cover the cost of care but it's like homeowners insurance or auto insurance where if you don't use it you don't get anything for it you paid in and you, you didn't use it mm -hmm. so one of the more popular products is a life insurance policy with a long-term care rider and so what that is is it's basically a permanent life insurance policy where you can spend the death benefit while you're alive if you need long-term care so if you have say a $500,000 life insurance policy and you need care, they typically will allow you to spend that over a period of months. So it might be, you know, over a period of 48 months or over a period of three years, uh, so 36 months. And they allow you to take a percentage of the death benefit every single month. Now, whatever you use on long-term care is being deducted from the death benefit that goes to your beneficiaries. But let's just say you only needed three months of care at the end of your life maybe 30,000 gets deducted from the death benefit, but the other 470 is still going to your beneficiary. So that's that would be a life insurance policy with a long-term care rider. Some people sometimes call that a hybrid policy. Okay, all right. Um, there's also what's called an asset-based policy. Yeah, so asset-based policies are a hybrid of life insurance and long-term care. Uh, you need to have some cash on hand. So where this makes sense is if you know you have extra money that you're not going to spend over the course of your life, say it's sitting in the bank. With that, what you're doing is you're you're investing a lump sum of cash. You're typically not really earning much, if at all, interest, but you're not really earning much, if at all, interest in the bank either. Uh, so the opportunity cost, if you're using bank assets, is really low. But what that does is it gives you a larger amount of money that can be used for long-term care and typically those features have a principal protection component to them to where if you needed to get the money back, you could. Obviously, you'd lose the insurance benefits, but that would be an asset-based policy. Those are, those are also very popular. Okay. All right. Talk about this quite a bit, an annuity. Yeah. So if you invest a, a large sum, an immediate annuity will provide you a steady stream of payments that could obviously be used for long-term care. The amount of your payments depends on many factors, so it could be your, it's going to be based on your age, your health. Also keep in mind that you may not receive enough to cover all of your expenses. Where that makes sense is in a situation where you're older now, uh, you're worried about care. Um, so say you're in your early 80s and you're worried about care, you take a an immediate annuity with a, a five-year period certain, meaning like if you pass away in the first five years, the payments would still continue on to your beneficiary. And now you have this income coming in, and if you needed it for care, it's there, and you've carved aside money. It essentially accomplishes something similar to an asset-based policy. It's just a different way to look at it. All right. And quickly now, um, you can you know pay out of pocket if you save enough money for long-term care. And you can also ask your family and friends to help out if you went through all your money. Yeah, so saving is obviously the best because if you save and you have excess money, then you're not going to be worried about uh, you know where you're getting the care from. You'll hopefully have enough money to get the best type of care. If you're doing family and friends, that's also that's also good. But make sure they're on board with that and they're aware of it because um, maybe they don't maybe they don't have the same attitude about caring for you as you think they do. Right, so, right. Surprise. So uh, yeah. yeah. So that's that's something that we look at, and it's one of your biggest risks in retirement. And we're going to analyze your long term care risk in, in our in our plans, and we have about four spots left. So uh, you know. Please call in and 
you know, we would be more than happy to put together a comprehensive retirement distribution plan for you that looks at all of those risks, such as long-term care, absolutely free. 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995 to get a spot on Steve's calendar. And if something we're talking about resonates with you today, whether it is tax planning, Social Security, long-term care, health care, just that overall big picture, call Steve and take the stress out of planning for your future. Again, that number, 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. Just one more segment left. What's coming up? Well, when we come back, it's questions from our listeners. You don't want to miss that. Welcome back to the Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. I'm your consumer advocate, Teresa Opeka. Steve is the best-selling author of Cookie Cut This, Retirement Distribution Strategies for the Nonconformist. And Steve is a fiduciary with over two decades of experience and is president and founder of Laurel Wealth Solutions. Check out his website, laurelws.com. Time now for listener questions. First up, we've got Jane in Fairview Shores. I called the Social Security office and they want to argue that I cannot suspend my Social Security retirement benefits. I started taking benefits at 62 and I've already reached my FRA at 66 in two months. So how do I get past the bureaucracy? This is a, uh, a kind of an interesting one. A lot of people actually, believe it or not, I've heard from multiple clients, they've reported getting uh, the same misinformation as you apparently did. So... It sounds like Social Security may have a training and hiring problem, but you know there are. I can assure you, there are a lot of good people that work for Social Security. You may not have just found the the right one. And most of the people I know that work for Social Security are not argumentative. Um, in any case, you are allowed to voluntarily suspend your Social Security retirement benefits between your full retirement and 70, regardless of when you started drawing your benefits or when you were born. All right. So just keep trying. That's all you can do. Mm -hmm. um, next up is Martin in Lockhart. He says, I've been in the same stocks since 1981. I feel very protective of them since I have watched them rise and fall. Some people have sports teams. I have my stocks. Okay. And a few of them have been having a rough go of it for years. But every time I think about selling my shares, I cringe. They're like family. Is it okay to let it go as a loss to not have to feel like that? I'm 68 and planning to retire next year. All right. So Martin, I teach a class uh, back before the, in the good old days of 2019, um, <laughs> at several universities across the country, uh, pre-pandemic, where we one of the things that we talk about is some of the things that influence people's investments and what you're what you're displaying is anchoring. So you're you're tying yourself to that investment for foolishness and you know basically just for sentimental reasons. You have to look at the fundamentals of the investment and if it's right for your overall situation. And you want to be objective in that. And so it's one of the hardest things to do, especially if it's a company like that you worked for for very many years. It's sometimes hard to be completely objective on that. Um, but if, if you're saying that you have a loss and you've owned the stock since 1981, that's probably not a very good investment. Just a, just a guess there. If it didn't make you any money over a 40 year period, that's that's probably not a great uh, a great investment. You know, I would say if it was if it was a small if it's a nominal amount that doesn't make an impact on your overall portfolio and you wanted to hold it for sentimental reasons, fine. 
But um, if it's a significant part of your portfolio, you definitely want to look at some other alternatives. All right. And we've got Mara now in Castleberry. She says, my mom is 79 and doesn't have any tolerance for risk with her nest egg. She has more income than she'll ever need because of my dad's military pension that she's now getting. I'm considering an annuity for her, and not because she'll need the income, but as a way to protect the principal. Good idea or not? I never like to make a recommendation without knowing all of the facts, but the first thing that you said was that she has more income than she'll ever need. So, I mean, one of the main benefits of an annuity is the lifetime income features or the, you know, the ability to get an income from it. So if she has more than enough income, then I I don't necessarily, based on just that one comment, I wouldn't necessarily say that an annuity is the right thing for her nest egg. Now, based on the fact that she, you also mentioned she doesn't have any tolerance for risk. She, an insurance product could be the right solution for her. But if it's money that she doesn't need and, it, and she doesn't have a tolerance for risk, depending on her health, if she's in, um, if she's in decent health, she'd probably be better off actually doing some type of a life insurance product or, or, or um, an, a modified endowment contract, uh, something like that where she's putting the money in so a modified endowment contract works the same way as a fixed annuity. You're putting in a lump sum. It typically is going to give you a fixed interest rate on that money, but it provides you a death benefit, which is significantly more than what you put in. The benefit of that is that if your mom never touches it before she passes away, which it sounds like she won't, she's not taking any risk to her principal. And now the beneficiaries are going to get a lump sum of money tax free. Whereas if that money grew in the annuity to the same level as the death benefit, they would have to pay income tax on the earnings. So an insurance product might be the right solution. I'm not necessarily sure that an annuity would be the right solution. All right. And our last questions from Barbara and Goldenrod. She says, I'm retiring from the federal government in 2022 and my husband is retiring at the same time. Our savings are comprised of my thrift savings plan, uh, his 403B and 401K. We also have shared money outside our workplace savings and Roth retirement accounts, taxable investment accounts and taxable mutual funds. Who should I consult to ensure my drawdown strategy is optimized to minimize taxes? There's a lot there. Well, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, Barbara. So let's 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 dig in. Um, so in terms of a drawdown strategy, you definitely want to work with a retirement distribution planner, um, someone who knows that that that's going to look at the ways to minimize your taxes. Now, one of the main things that we want to look at is how you're invested in the thrift, how how your husband is invested in his 403B and 401K, and how you're invested in the Roths. Because ideally, you want to have your more aggressive, growth-oriented investments in the Roth and in the, in the taxable investment accounts. Because in the taxable accounts, you're paying long-term capital gains, which is a preferential tax rate. And in the Roth, you're paying no taxes. And where you'd want to have your more income-oriented, income-producing uh, investments would be in the retirement accounts, the pre-tax retirement accounts. Now, you didn't mention if you're in a pre-tax thrift savings or if you're in the Roth TSP. But if you are in the Roth TSP, then that should be obviously invested for growth in something like the C fund or the S fund or the I fund. If it's in pre-tax, the pre-tax you want to have your more conservative 
money in the pre-tax because that mitigates the taxes that you pay long term. So in that type of situation, and I don't know, you didn't mention how much you have in the bank, but let's just say you don't have a ton of money built up in savings in the bank. And so you need a cushion uh, to withdraw from for the next three years. So let's just say you're going to need to withdraw $2,000 a month for the next three years, right? So that's $24,000 a year. So that's 72,000 over those three years. It would be perfectly acceptable to take 72,000 and put it into something like the G fund, where at least the principal is guaranteed and you're not getting a ton of interest, but you're getting one or 2%, which is still better than what you're getting in a bank. And so those are the types of decisions that a retirement distribution planner is going to help walk you through. And we still have about three spots left. So anyone who calls in, we're going to do that uh, absolutely for free. We're going to put together a retirement distribution plan. We're going to look at the different types of accounts you have and show you the right place to distribute from. All right. And that call to get a spot on Steve's calendar, it's 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. And this is for retirees and pre-retirees, common sense planning and straight talk instead of financial double talk and a sales pitch. You just need to sit down and get that financial roadmap put together. And that roadmap, it's going to show you where you are now, but most importantly, it's going to show you where you need to be. And you've got nothing to lose. Spots are filling up. Just a couple left. Call now. 800-705-9995, 800-705-9995. Another fast-moving show. Steve, I'm looking forward to next weekend. Yeah, no, it's it, the time flies. Uh, hopefully everyone's going to go out and enjoy what's left of this uh, Labor Day weekend, and yes. uh, we will be back here next week. Yep, for another edition of The Retirement Referee with Steve Caruso. 